All right, welcome back to Ask Rip. This is everybody's favorite video podcast sort of thing where I actually take you seriously and accept questions from you off of the web. Sometimes you like the answers, sometimes you didn't. Like the last time, last podcast when we talked about smoking. Some of you got offended, I'm sure. And, you know, fuck you. I just, you know, to continue on that theme. <laughs> what is, when Nick and I were talking, what is this 2016? And you people under the age of 50 are still starting to smoke? What in the hell are you thinking about? Shrewd. Very shrewd. Okay, now, next, first question for today. All right. Says right here, Pearl Crowell. Crowell. Coach. I don't know Paul, do I? Just some guy off the wheel. Well, not to Paul. To Paul, he's somebody's son. He's somebody's father, perhaps. Somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend, as the case may be. Someone who trains, probably. Some, a gym member, guy who pays dues someplace. So he's not just some guy on the internet. I didn't mean to say that, Paul. All right, Coach, would you comment about training goals once age and cumulative injuries take their toll? This is kind of personal, Paul. What are and how to determine reasonable goals for the 50-plus crowd? What are and how? Well, you know, Paul can't write. He didn't have Miss Stiff and Miss Thurman teaching him English like I did. So I'll, we'll, we'll take Paul at his word. He wants to know about master's lifters. All right, here's the deal. It depends on when you started training. If you started training when you were 20 and now you're 52 and you're still training, your situation is completely different than someone who started training when they were 50. Okay, because remember the curve from the book? A guy who's been training for 32 years is most likely more advanced along the curve than the guy who started training at 52 a couple of months ago. Guy at 52 is a novice. He doesn't have any injuries, at least none that he acquired in the weight room. He doesn't have near as many problems with training around things that a guy my age who's been training for 40 years and who is uh, kind of beat up as a result of that and having been bucked off a bunch of horses and run over by motorcycles and cars and tractors and stuff. So a guy with relatively few injuries, possibly some you know, back pain, which is normal to all humans once they get older than about, what, 15, you know. Uh, he's got some back pain, but he hasn't got any actual skeletal x-ray changes as a result of lifting weights that are sometimes the case when, when guys have not been careful about how they constructed their programs and who combine that with a life lived not sitting on their butts. So in the first case, the guy who's been training for 30 years and is past 50, a guy like that is training just to, just to he's really exercising. Really, more, than, more often than not, most of the year, that guy will be just spent, uh, that year, 
that time will be just spent in the gym, just kind of holding on, staving off death, as I like to say. And what we do when we, uh, when we get in that situation is we will uh, make little linear runs that last four or six weeks, and then we'll reset something and go do something else, change up reps, change some aspect of things. But for instance, I'm currently in the process of running my triples up on the squat. And that's probably not going to go much past 345, 355. I did three and a quarter last night for, for two triples, changing over from sets of five to see if they make my knees hurt less. Uh, you've been training a long time, pain accumulates. Pain is, uh, you know, you can put up with it for a certain period of time, but at some point you just get tired of it. So you, you know, try to challenge yourself a little more reasonably in the gym than you once cared to do. Uh, you know, I remember 30 years ago not caring whether things hurt when I did them in the gym. When you're 60, you, you don't sleep as well, and as a result of, uh, uh, of that, you're not able to recover, you'll hurt more, the pain keeps you from sleeping as well. There's all kinds of things. This is the bad news about not getting killed, boys and girls. Things get harder when you get older. But it's still incumbent upon you to train. I mean, you have to train. So uh, once you get to be old and beat up and, and continue to train, your uh, approach is highly individual. We write about it a little bit in practical programming. Uh, Dr. Sullivan's book, the manuscript is finished. We're recording this in May. If you're seeing this in the far distant future, then this will be time travel for you. This will be like time travel. Back before this beautiful book I have in my hands about training for older people was actually in print. That's now. It's not in print yet, but it will be eventually. You notice we're outside, bugs flying up my nose. It's a pretty day, we thought we'd go outside. But there's bugs, and I'm gonna, bugs like my nose for some reason. So, case number two is a guy just started training who's old. He hasn't got near as many problems as guys like I do, because we know how to adapt the novice program for older lifters. And this has been written about in Practical Programming, third edition. Uh, Sully's book will cover it in detail. We talk about it on the boards all the time. Whole forum for you guys, the elderly. And that's not meant in a pejorative sense. Just descriptive, right? The elderly forum. Guys on there happy to talk to you about their experiences, answer your questions. But uh, so that was not an entirely uh, stupid question, Paul. Thank you for asking that. Now, Minjay Park asks, what other sports do you like except lifting a weight? Uh, none. Uh, I hate to break this to you guys, but I'm not a sports fan. You don't even like lifting sports, right? I don't really even, I'm so tired of watching people lift weights, I don't really consider that recreation anymore. Uh, I'll announce an occasional meet. But I'm not going to 
drive to Houston to watch the Olympics or the Worlds or whatever they happen to have down there. I, said, I just, I, I'm just tired of it. I don't care. I've never cared about football or basketball or baseball or anything else. I like to watch sumo. I think sumo is very interesting. Uh, I like to watch track and field events. You know, the stuff at the Olympics that they don't want you to see. I like to see guys throw the hammer. I like to see hammer thrown, disc shot. I like to see the field events, javelin. I like to see that stuff because that's human movement technique in, in, uh, in application. And I, I enjoy watching that stuff, but the network, whatever network that covers the Olympics, this year, this is 2016, again, for you, those of you in the distant future. Uh, the guys that run the Olympics this year in Rio de Janeiro are not going to show you the hammer. They're not going to show you the shot, the disc. They're not going to show you any of the lighter classes of weights, of the, of the weightlifting. They're, they may show you uh, some uh, uh, of the women's weightlifting because you know, social justice, all that other shit. Uh, but they're not going to show you any of the wrestling. They're not going to show you the testosterone sports. They're not going to show you the testosterone sports because they don't want you to be aware of them. They're going to do everything they can over the next couple of decades to eliminate all of that stuff from the games. You mark my words. The testosterone sports are going away from the, from the IOC. And those of you people who are deluded enough through apparently years of dropping acid before you train that think that powerlifting is going to be in the Olympics, look, get a different psychiatrist because the one you're seeing now is not helping you. You know, powerlifting will be in the Olympics when hell is a solid frozen block of helium. All right, that's how cold it'll be, all right? So the stuff I like, they were not gonna show me anyway. I'd like to see the fencing. I'd like to see all of the fencing, all three weapons, I'd like to see all of that. But instead of that, I'm gonna get to see all of the preliminary heats for the 100 meter freestyle because there's no testosterone involved in that. All those, there's no hair, right? Hairy people, not what, not what you're gonna get to see. Okay, so, sorry men, men Jay, I'm not a sports fan, never have been, uh, don't know anything about it. Jack Maxwell, 1989, says, if you had to survive a zombie apocalypse, oh, do we have to do this? Stupid shit, zombie apocalypse story. There's always, gonna be There's always a zombie apocalypse deal. When is that, that's like bacon. When is that gonna get out of style? Tacos are the new deal. First there was bacon, every t-shirt had bacon, yum, bacon. You know, like, well. <laughs> All right, and then there was zombie apocalypse, okay. And you've seen the movies and stuff, and what was that, 28 days, that was cool, right? But on your shirt, you know, on these ask road questions, let's get past this, okay? Find another deal, the next new thing, all right? But since I started, all right. If you had to survive a zombie apocalypse and could choose three people to help you, who and why? Well, Jack, what do you mean help me? You mean like in real time here on the ground? Who do I want with me during a zombie apocalypse? 
or who do I who do I want to draw from as far as information about zombie apocalypse? Well, uh, how about uh, well on we got we got James Yeager. We need him. Either way, he's standing here, or I'm learning from him. James Yeager. You gotta you gotta look him up. We've talked to him several times. He's our buddy. And he knows how to kill you. And of course, zombies, see here's the problem, zombies are already dead. How do you kill a zombie? Zombie apocalypse. What are the other this is really in retrospect, Jack, this is a stupid question. We're gonna do one more, all right? Now Rehemon. Rehemon. I don't know how this is pronounced. That's charity. That's chastity. 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 Charity. Nativity. Hambrick. Where does Blanton's bourbon rate on your list of bourbons? It's my favorite, but I'm open to recommendations. Blanton's, I'll tell you, Blanton's is good. 50, 55, 60 bucks. Good, sweet. High corn, low rye bourbon. Probably wheated bourbon, have to ask Reynolds. Reynolds, for some reason, has got all these mash bills memorized. I don't know what his deal is. I guess since he's not in his gym anymore, he just sits around reading about drinking. And I, and I think probably, see Reynolds is, is uh, Charity's coach. Uh, I think probably Reynolds is, you know, when you, that time of day when it's okay to have a drink, right? Mine is like 2 a.m. because yeah. I've got a different schedule than his most other people. His is going from like 7 to 4. Yeah. And it's on the way to 3. I have two. I have two. I haven't seen him drink at 10 a.m., but I've seen him drinking at noon at, uh, at the convention and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's meant for you. But as far as... Uh, as far as Blanton's is concerned, I like Blanton's real well. Somebody brought me a bottle of, of Blanton's uh, just recently, and uh, I've been enjoying it, but it, I've got so many it gets lost on the shelf, I have to confess. I'll tell you what I did do. I uh, recently bought uh, uh, an order of several bottles from toastwinesbytaste.com. And these guys deliver, and their prices are pretty good. Few, F-E-W, Few, makes a rye that is top shelf. Their bourbon is undesirable, but that rye is very, very good. Toast wines by taste. Look them up. Uh, all right, we'll save this. I know how exciting it is for you guys to watch this, but if I go on and on and on for hours at a time, you'll, you'll turn it off. So to keep you from turning it off ahead of time, I'm going to turn it off for you.